step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Maximus Podcast with your hosts, Joe Sabula and Bobby Maximus. And today we have a very special guest, a gentleman named George Mayhew. Uh, I am actually in England right now teaching the Maximus Method certification. So please be patient with us if there is a loss of audio quality. Joe, you know more about this than me. You're the techie guy. Yep. I uh, I don't know if, if signals when they travel across the Atlantic Ocean, if there's a loss in the quality that the interwebs provide or whatever the hell we're on. So just if you have loss of quality. Quality, don't complain. Don't. Uh, we just did a no yeah. complaining podcast. Jesus, people. Don't, don't write me the email yeah. about what a shitty job we're doing. <laughs> it's not our fault. We're trying to do the best we can. Um, but anyway, for this podcast, a couple of things we got to get out of the way. This podcast is sponsored by Lalo Tactical. Uh, for the best shoes that you can get uh, in terms of training, uh, head to L-A-L-O, Lalo.com. Use the code Maximus20 for 20% off from us to you. We're also sponsored by Nidor Protein. Nidor Performance is the website, nidorperformance.com, that is. I don't know how the web works these days. If you could just type Nidor Performance into the bar and it'll just go. I, don't, I think .com is obsolete now, but head over to nidorperformance.com. Use the code Maximus Podcast for 20% off. It's the best protein on the planet. And always remember that if you wear the Maxima shoes while drinking protein, you will increase performance in every area of your life by at least 28%. That's right. I don't know if we're allowed to say that, but let's go with it. These statements have not been verified by the Federal Drug Administration. Yeah. Uh, now, George is not a lawyer, but George, and we're going to let him talk a little bit about his background. He is a corporate affairs director. So I, I feel that according to your past life, George, if I you were in charge of our podcast and I was to make unreasonable claims, you would be the person that would kind of step in and correct me on that. True no, or false? I, I, I would be the person encouraging you because I'm a, a cool, everyone's going, what the hell is a corporate affairs director? It's a, I mean, it's a spin doctor. So, so I like your spin. Your spin. Okay. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> George, we, uh, Joe, we just got approval. All right. Let's um, keep it up. On that note, George, uh, there's a specific reason we wanted to interview you today. Uh, you and I have had a training relationship for years. Mm -hmm. uh, it started off very professional in nature. And it quickly devolved into a personal relationship or friendship, maybe evolved. I guess it would depend how you look at it. Um, but the goal of our podcast, uh, George, I don't even know if you listen to these things. I do. Um, we don't expect everyone to listen. Uh, we're better friends now that you support me. Thank you for that. <laughs> okay. um, but one of the things that we like to talk about is how training can make somebody better uh, overall in their life. And a big part of people's lives is their work life, their career. And you and I have had experience training for years where I think training has had a positive influence uh, in your life. So why don't we start by telling us uh, a little bit about what you do in this mysterious shadow world of corporate affairs? Yeah, so so corporate affairs or, or communications. So so basically, it includes all the communications with employees in a company, uh, with media, with uh, NGOs, um, uh, with politicians, uh, and, and other people in government. So it's all of that kind of uh, stuff in terms of uh, the communications agenda. And companies tend to have a person in charge of all of that. And uh, I've just uh, I, I was working until the end of uh, last year with a, a FTSE 100 Fortune 500 company called National. Grid. It's an energy company, uh, an Anglo-American energy company, uh, and I was the corporate affairs director for them for for ten years, and uh, and that was, uh, it was it was a big deal, uh, uh, and it involves sitting 
on the company's executive committee, which is basically a committee chaired by the chief exec. It was nine of us, and, and, and our job was to, to run the company. So um, so I did that. I was at National Grid for, for over 10 years. And then uh, before that, I did a similar kind of thing for a defense company called BAE Systems, which, again, is a, it's a global company um, that operates as a big presence, actually, in the U.S. as well. So I've been kind of uh, pretty high up in, in in corporate life for the last 20 odd years. All right, now George, you're a little bit modest, so I wanna add to this. Uh, for you guys that are listening, National Grid's not a small company. Uh, Joe, I'll have you know, last year, they did $15.25 billion in revenue and their total assets equal $58 billion. So we're not talking a small company, are right. we, George? Not they're, big. Fairly, yeah. they're fairly big. <laughs> you know. uh, would, it, would it be fair to say then you were in charge of a lot of shit? Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, a lot of shit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. I just want to give people the scope of, of what we're going to talk about here because it wasn't like uh, you didn't have a lot of oversight or you didn't have a lot of responsibility, George. There was a lot thrust on your plate, a lot of travel, a lot of pressure, a lot of stress, important business meetings with important people. I'm very familiar with 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 corporate life okay, so at a high level and at a board level and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So, yeah, but it's so, it, it a, sounds to me like it's not a, a typical Monday through Friday nine to five though either. No, you're always on. It's yeah. um, you're always on twenty four seven, and you know if you and and it, and it gets you know if you have a an incident like um, the lights go out somewhere, or mm-hmm. we, we used to have a lot of incidents in the northeast of the U.S. and storms and those crazy uh, uh, winter storms that would come across Massachusetts and New York, and and uh, I'm I'm over here in the UK, which which is five hours time difference, uh, you're, you're on the calls. doesn't matter what time you're involved. Yeah. Yeah. And I would imagine that in addition to the purely work-related stuff, you always uh, you also probably dealt with, uh, and I, I don't know the history of National Grid or anything like that, but uh, any personal scandals that would arise. Absolutely. For example, if one of your employees got arrested, uh, uh, did something shameful that was reported to the media, that would be kind of under your scope of things to, to deal with that, correct? Yep. And, and, and it includes, I know you've talked a lot on the podcast about social media and what people say on social media. And that was also part of the remit. And, uh, you know, people tend to get muddled between what they say from a business perspective on social media and the pictures they may post, which, you know, if you're working for a company like National Grid or any other company, you know, your personal stuff links very closely to the business stuff. And so we had to, you know, we got involved in some, um, I keep thinking of the word, the phrase dick pics, but I, that, that never happened. <laughs> but it was the kind of, that kind of, you, end, you get a call and go, George, we have a problem. So-and-so's posted something on Instagram and you, your heart sinks and, you, you know, you just got to sort it out. Good. Uh, let me remind everyone out there, there is a little E on our podcast. Um, so if your kids are listening to this in the car with you, not our fault. You've been forewarned. That's right. No complaints. Yes. Yes. No complaints. Um, all right. Well, we we might as well get started. We've got a good format today. Uh, yep. Joe, you're going to do some interviewing yes. uh, of, of, of both George and I. Uh, you and I both, and this is actually interesting, Joe. Uh, I don't, don't know if some of the listeners out there realize uh, that Joe and I do do a lot of corporate consulting with people. Yes. Uh, we've consulted with some very large brands, uh, some fairly important people, CEOs, COOs, uh, you know, board directors um, on how to better their lives through exercise and uh, what we call, I guess, personal life coaching, if you will. Mm-hmm. So uh, we wanted to take this opportunity because I have worked with George for the past, what, George, 10 years, maybe nine years. It's been a long time. Uh, you may say too long. I think it's too long. Yeah. It's time for you to fly on your own a little bit, yeah. I think, <laughs> with all the teaching. But um, we've worked together for a lot of years. Um, and, and I think it's a good opportunity to teach, you know, everyone out there listening um, about how, you know, kind of fitness really, really works for normal people. Not just hearing it from two clowns like Joe and I that, uh, you know, you probably think we work out for a living. So, mm-hmm. so um bring it to the real world a little bit. All right. So Joe, you can uh, start firing away whenever you're ready. Sure. So I guess the first thing I want to talk about is you have this this big corporate job. Like you said, you're always on, you know, you're always working um, regardless of the, the time of, of day. Uh, but obviously, you know, fitness is something that's really important to you. So my question is, why is that so important in your life? What What is fitness bringing to your life that made you better at your job? So that that's... That's the six million dollar question, I think. So Rob and I—it's been more like eleven or twelve years, actually. I think we've we've worked together, and there is a definite link between uh, when I started training with with Bobby. Sorry, I can't call him Rob. Can I, Bobby? Um, when I started training with Bobby back then, and and how my career progressed, you know, it, it improved as my understanding of fitness programming, the the levels of output required, and the and the mental. Uh, um, resilience required for those outputs. Um, I got a better understanding of it. My 
my you know my career progressed and now that's i don't know if there's a scientific link between those two but it seems to be one hell of a hell of a coincidence mm -hmm. um but i think that the, the big thing that uh training and training hard has given me has has been that mental piece if i can do a 2k row for time and i know the target i've got to be and we've all done we've all been there and we've all and i'm sure lots of your listeners have been there mm -hmm. you know you, you're worried and nervous about it days or weeks before you know you've got to hit this thing it's the levels of anxiety you feel are high you do it you hit the target you may not hit the target but you learn from it and you come back do it again and hit the target to go through that kind of that that mental pressure and stress if you can do that then uh it means that the work environment whatever it throws at you you can handle it and that was always the big thing for me is was um you know, if I had a, you know, I would, if I was under pressure, I'd always know, well, actually, I've, I've stressed myself mentally, whether it's trying to get a one rep max on a deadlift or on a row or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, this challenge that the, uh, the work environment has presented, I got this. So sure. I think that's probably been the biggest thing for me. Yeah, that resonates with me really well. I feel like, uh, especially doing like a 2K row for time where, you, where you're up against a standard. And frankly, it's just not easy. I mean, it is really hard and you know you're going you're gonna to hurt. You know, during it, you're going to hurt for a while after it. Um, but that experience does kind of inoculate you to a lot of less intense stress, right? So some of the mundane work stuff gets to be almost nothing. It's like, well, if I can handle a 2K, I can handle an impromptu meeting with my supervisor. Yeah, so, and I think, I think the other thing that, that's been um, – is the handling of stress. Mm -hmm. So I, I uh, there was a period of time, uh, it must have been six or seven years ago, where I was I had a few injuries and uh, and, and Rob maybe stopped training for two weeks. Mm. Uh, and I've never not trained for two weeks. And right. um, and it was the first week was kind of okay. The second week it was really interesting. I got really uh, ratty. I don't know if that's a, a phrase that uh, travels across the Atlantic. Like, but ang angry and irritable. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, I was a, I was a complete dickhead, and I, I never forget halfway through the second week, my uh, some of my team came in uh, to my office and said, "George, uh, uh, when are you going to go to the gym again?" <laughs> and, um, and and then my boss actually there was a meeting we had this exec committee meeting where I got a little bit antsy, and um, he just turned around and 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 said, and he used serious profanity as he said it, "When the hell are you going to go back to the gym again?" And and that was I was clearly suffering from not training. Right. I was becoming uh, not a very nice colleague and my colleagues really noticed it. And it was interesting. After that, I never got much grief for disappearing off to the gym. Everyone said he's got to do it. <laughs> Fair. Do you remember now, that time he didn't? Yeah, let him go. <laughs> yeah. So I want to I want to back up a little bit here because I do have a question for you, George. And I don't know if I even remember the answer to this. I, I, I should. Obviously, you've you've went over all these benefits from training. It's made your job better. Great. Did you come to me when we started training together? Did you come with that in mind? Like, did you have a have a forethought that it would affect your job in a positive way? I, I guess what I'm asking is, why did you start trading with me in the first place? Uh, th th this was not the, the help in terms of my work was not something I hadn't put that two and two together back then. Uh, I came because I had I've been training um, half heartedly, not half heartedly. I've been training uh, ignorantly. I didn't have the knowledge that, that that I have now, and I I'd hit plateaus. I couldn't I couldn't lift more. I couldn't you know I, I was just I was um, stale, and I wasn't enjoying the training. And I knew I needed to do it for my well being. And uh, and that's when I I saw some stuff that you had written and got in touch with you. And I had no idea what was going to. I just thought I would you know I'd get a better deadlift. Yeah, you had no idea what you were getting yourself into. Is what you're saying? Absolutely well, none paint, paint a right? picture for me here, George. Like, where were you at with life, with job? I mean, at this point, were you already so, a boss? Were you kind of a mid-range? Well, I'll let Rob describe uh, the physical manifestation <laughs> of all of this. He has he has a rather un, un, unkind way of describing it. But um, uh, I, I I was uh, yeah I was a I was a mid-level manager. Um, okay. I just landed the job at National Grid. I think I just started. And um, so I was I was doing all right. You know, I was on a decent trajectory. It wasn't like uh, how it was sort of three or four years, five years later. Right. Now, now George, I, I, I want to uh, – we have a story about some of my first words for you. I want to preface this. Joe, um, I've grown kind uh, in my old age. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, clearly. Right? Having children and a, and a wife has made me a nicer person. But I, I used to be I, – I still kind of am into this thing of, of ruthless honesty. So I'll, I'll tell you kind of what I said to George and, and he'll tell you his experience. He needed the help of Google to figure this out. But I believe one of our first days, maybe our first day, George asked me if I thought he was fit. And I told him that the Pillsbury Doughboy called and wanted all, all his rolls back, is I believe how I... <laughs> 
answered that answered that question. Now he's English and he had no clue who, who the Pillsbury Doughboy is. So imagine poor George later that night googling Pillsbury Doughboy. Like, what is this person talking about? I was I was I was quick enough to understand that. I don't know what Pillsbury was. I still don't actually, but I, the Doughboy bowls I knew wasn't <laughs> flattering. But then it it got worse. I think there was a it, it gets hot in Salt Lake, and so there was a workout. I think I was doing bull slams or something, and I I'd taken my top off, which is a which was a mistake. And, and uh, I, didn't, I didn't think it was I did not think it was that bad. And uh, all I could hear behind me was Rob going. God, look at the state of you. <laughs> anyway, and so began my journey on 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 nutrition and uh, and and recovery and all that other stuff. Oh, that's that's you know, Joe. That's great. <laughs> I just want to say, if you're ever training somebody and you really want to cut them deep, just say, "God, look at the state of you." <laughs> They'll know exactly what you mean. <laughs> well, you know, it's important when you, when, of you look great. <laughs> when you start working with a client that you establish a baseline, right? So <laughs> yeah. we've only got up to go. This is great. Uh, so, so George, with that, uh, I'd like to know what are the the biggest changes that you've seen since working with Rob? I mean, obviously you guys have been working for a long time, uh, but but what has changed? What were the, the big ones? So the first one is kind of around weight, I suppose. So I'm just going to talk about the, the physical side sure. before them, because there's the physical and the mental. And, and right. on the physical side, I think the, in my Pillsbury Doughboy years, I think I was around about, I had to use American stuff because we, we're all kilos and other stuff over here, but um, I was probably about, 207 or something okay. and I had a I had a it, this period coincided with um, my, my wife is a um, does a lot of triathlon and she had persuaded me I persuaded her to get to the gym and lift weights and she said as part of the deal you've got to do a triathlon so I, I had signed up for a, an Olympic distance triathlon and and, and uh, Bobby said right you got, you're gonna have to lose some weight because so you can't haul that around a, um, a triathlon course you're so, not making I just want to interrupt you're not making me sound like a very nice person it's, 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 uh, yeah Years haven't uh, softened the recollection either, but, um, but it, it all had a good outcome. So this is where I think, Joe, you and Bobby have talked about your journey and uh, mm-hmm. the, the kind of the 500 calorie meals and, and all that kind of stuff and, and, and uh, you know, not eating carbs after three or four o'clock in the afternoon and, and that real discipline around uh, you know, stopping drinking. Mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff and, and you talked about it on another pod I think at length so so I did all of that stuff and I, I remember I think I got down to 185 and um and I, you know, I did the triathlon and um and it, it was fine and then the next stage was with Bobby was right now you're you're a skinny little endurance athlete and I didn't want to be a skinny little endurance athlete I wanted to be you know a little bit bigger and stronger so then we started building me up where so we had to increase the calorie but at this time it was building me back up to around about 200 pounds in a good way right and um so that's um you know using you know the, the right training program but obviously all the recovery stuff that goes with it and and of course the the, the nutrition that, that goes with that as well so i ended up around about 200 pounds um for a six foot sort of two guy um uh and uh yeah i mean it was it was it was quite a physical transformation the mental bit that went with it was um you know, when Rob first started talking to me about, I think we had a 2K, I mean, I'm focusing on the 2K row because it's just so, it's just sort of ingrained in my deep consciousness mm-hmm. that um, I think we had one as a finisher after every week after a workout. So, it, you know, it was, it was, and that was the set the tone of the program. It had a lot of kind of mentally challenging and demanding workouts. So I think that's where also I realized that all the excuses I had before about not having enough time, um, you know, uh, I'm too busy, you know, all the stuff again that you've talked about at length, I was, I was throwing out all of those excuses. And I realized that um, actually to fit this stuff in, I had to make some changes to my lifestyle and, and how I prioritize things. So I think that was that was another big thing was, you know, I, I couldn't just fit this training stuff around my, my day job. In a way, my day job had to fit around my training stuff. Hmm. Um, given that the kind of work I was doing was it presented some challenges. Now, you you one of the things I want to bring up is, first of all, uh, George, if I can if I can say if I feel like I have to be nice to you now because it seems like I'm kind of a cruel person. But you've made quite a tremendous physical change right now. You weigh about what, 188? 190. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you look better than I've ever seen you look. Um, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, your your stress load uh, at work has been greatly reduced. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you look better than you've ever seen. 
you didn't just lose weight. I mean, you were a soft 207 and now you're an extremely lean, strong, well-built 188, you know, 190. So there's been a huge physical change. But I remember a story you also told me about how you felt you garnered more respect at work because of your fitness level. Um, You know, how you'd look in a suit your uh, presence when you'd enter a room that there is something to that people and Joe you've seen it people size you up differently when you're fit yes, yes. they look at you differently yes this was a really so this this is one that I I, I I'm really glad you brought this up Rob uh, Bobby because I uh, I, fi- I feel re- I, I'm really awkward talking about this kind of stuff because it's real it's the there is a I mean let's be honest there's a vanity side to all this as well it is mm-hmm. nice to look nice than not nice and, and we, I, I think we all, we all get that. I, I, in my job, I found that, you know, I was having to do lots of presentations, stand up in front of, you know, groups of, you know, tens and hundreds and occasionally thousands of people. And, and I felt um, having a, a decent physical stature was uh, actually was important because when you walked on a stage, you, you, you know, people stopped checking their phones and they, they, they looked at you. And, and, and it was, and it, obviously you have to, it's the words that come out of your mouth that make all the difference. But that presence, especially as you get older, I mean, I'm, I'm 50 in, 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 God, I'm 50 soon. I'm 50 in July. And, um, and, and there's a lot of very, very, uh, I did a Spartan race uh, last weekend and there's a lot of very, very fit 50 year olds. But, um, but usually when people are sort of getting to that end age, especially in the work environment, they're kind of, they're sort of, uh, I was going to the word decrepit came to mind, mm. but there's a more chari- nice word. There's, people are beginning to fade physically. Right. And it kind of gives you a bit of a competitive advantage in, in a funny kind of way when, it, when you're looking for promotion and other things to, uh, you know, have a good posture, be physically in decent shape. You know, it's, uh, you see so many people hunched up, sort of shuffling along the corridor. And if you're standing straight, you know, you're wearing a suit decently, you know, it's, it's um, all that stuff kind of counts and it mm-hmm. and it makes a difference when you, you need people to be listening to the words coming out of your mouth. They need to be paying attention to you. Well, that's interesting because you had just mentioned uh, to me uh, yesterday, George, we were talking about work. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this so we can edit it out, but George, you've moved on from your career at National Grid. Yep. Uh, you're at a point in your life, uh, if I could speak for you, you're looking for some new challenges. Uh, you're, you're looking to broaden your horizons a little bit. And uh, you've been going through the process of finding uh, another job, something that yeah. works, you know, for you. Um, and one of the things you mentioned to me yesterday was the life of being a corporate affairs director. Uh, companies are looking for somebody younger. Some they're looking for somebody who is fit. Hip might be the right word. I don't know if hip's the right word, but they want somebody who can appear on camera and be a face for the company and things. And you said that it's an edge that you have because you have all this experience, but that you're also young looking and fit. And, yeah, so it was really it. So I left um, National Grid after, like I said, about it was about twelve years at the end of the year, and and I, I needed to take some time out of the out of the the working environment, and I'm I'm just about getting back into looking for something new, but it was really interesting talking to one of the uh, headhunters that who help you find work, and they said, uh, you know, the, the good thing about you is 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 you're a you know is you're a young looking fifty. I said I'm not quite fifty. I'm still forty nine, and I'm going to cling on to forty nine for as long as I can, but. But I, it does. I mean, it's it, um, sure people can work your age out from your resume. But but it, I, I think, um, you know, I've seen people uh, I've interviewed people my age and older who a bit older who it's kind of like they've given up. And it's that it's, 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 it's this is the last chance they've got before they retire. And, and as an employer, you don't want the person who's coming in for their last go round. You want someone who's got energy, a bit of spark. And again, I think if I hadn't had had the discipline around the training and all the stuff I've done with Bobby over the years, I think going into the jobs market as I'm as I'm about to do would be a lot more intimidating and a lot more scary. So it's um, you know who knows. I mean I I I haven't I haven't landed a new job yet, so it, it may not work out. But I do feel it. Certainly, the first bits of feedback I had from headhunters is that you'll be fine and you the physical piece is important. Well, and, it, and you're also one of the things you mentioned. You're in an extremely competitive. Uh, feel yeah. like if you want to be a corporate affairs director, there, let's face it, there's not many jobs out there. You're at the top of the mountain. Yeah, you're not. I mean, I mean, it's not like you're going down to the local uh, grocery store or the local market and just trying to put a resume in to get whatever you can. Uh, jobs like yours, they're uh, pretty rare to come by. Yeah, they are, and and, and you know, there's one in a company. Yes, right. if, if if the company has one, and uh, and so when they come around, and uh, it's you know, you've got to. You've got to be. You've really got to be on point for it, and um, and everything. And that's where you know you, you hear people talk about marginal dip gains and stuff in, in professional sport. I'm not comparing getting a job to professional sport, but there are there are some similarities. And and I think you know all things being equal, I think an employer is going to employ someone who 
who has energy and um, and some you know some some oomph behind them and and we all know that you know where does that energy and oomph come from and how do you sustain it well the fitter you are the more energy that you you have and you feel and you can exude and it's really really important and i want to piggyback off of that because the fitter you you are the better you look the more confident you are the more confidence you exude so you were talking about stepping out on stage in front of you know a thousand people and if you're not really happy with the way that you look your body language is going to indicate that as soon as you step out on stage but if you walk out there with confidence people notice that and confidence is something that people are attracted to and so again one of the the themes of the show has always been what we do in the gym affects what we do in the rest of our life and i think that's a really good example of that yeah and it is it is you know when you're when you are going out and you're you've got a big uh, presentation to give or speech you know you really I, I i hate doing it i mean i get i get nerves and and uh and it's uh, i find it i find it kind of really stressful but when you're doing um in a corporate world and you've got a senior leadership role that goes with the territory you have to stand up in front of people and motivate them and, and tell them what's going on and, and get them on side you're they're, they're they're working hard for you in the company knowing that you, you sort of look half decent that really helps because it means you don't worry about that. You can really focus on the three messages that you are going to nail in the next 20 minutes. You're not right. worrying about, you know, um, you know, is, is, is my shirt sort of popping with the buttons because I've got too big a belly yeah. or anything like that. So it's, it's, it really helps. It just it gives you that confidence and it enables you to focus on, on what you need to nail for that. For, for, right. So, that case, I mean, clearly the, the benefits of, of being fit and being healthy are, are I mean, well documented. And, and again, I think you're a prime example of how what you do in the gym can improve things outside the gym. Uh, I'm curious, though, what are some of the, the biggest challenges you've faced? Because I know that work and and you know personal life don't always play nice and so you you mentioned earlier you had to rearrange your work schedule around your training schedule what challenges have been presented in in taking that approach and how have you dealt with them the first thing to to know is i was i was a guy with all the excuses uh when i started out my journey with bob and and so that was the first thing i had to i had to overcome my own excuses and reasons for not being able to do stuff i mean that's the first thing second thing um uh, at the time actually around the same time i started training with bobby i i i met helen who's now my wife and she's as i said she's a triathlete and she uh, was a triathlete she now trains uh you know she trains very hard and having and again i think you covered it a bit in some of the previous podcasts having having your other half being interested and, and committed to physical fitness and all the training that goes with it is really helpful because it means that you know if i if i do need to sort of get up early or, or go to the gym late you know I, I don't have a i don't have a domestic issue uh with any of that so those are the first two things and then the last thing was um the people at work um being pissed that i was i was not in the office because i was down the gym and, and what i did with that was i on a monday wednesday and a friday I would block out between 10 and 12 o'clock on, on all those days. So I, I, I didn't block out because everyone usually goes to the gym first thing in the morning or lunchtime or in the evening. And I knew that if I go to any of the gyms and I was working in central London, if I go to any of those gyms at those times and I want to do squats that day, it's a lottery whether or not I'll be able to do a, a right. squats. And okay, you can, there's a few times where you can adjust the program, but it's just gyms at that time of day are a nightmare, if, especially if you want to get in, smash out a really good and effective workout and get back into the office. So I picked the quietest times of day to, to go. And um, two hours block enabled me to walk to the gym, get changed, get in there, do, do at least a decent 60 minute session get back, change, get back, and, and hopefully have a few minutes before the next meeting started so I could just clear whatever happened um, while, while I was out. Hmm. I never took the phone with me. The phone was locked in the, in the locker. Um, uh, so that was the first thing. It was, it was making that, that time. And the diary, like a lot of people, your diaries are, are open for everyone else to see, and I would just have this block, and it had keep clear written on it. And people knew that that was that would code for George's at the gym. For the first, I would say for the first few years, uh, people would try and say oh well, look i need to see george it's really important and i know he's around because he's going to the gym then and so can he go half an hour later and um you know the the, the deal was no this is this is in the diary uh, like the other meetings are is not changing okay if the shit hits the fan if the ceo comes down and he wants an urgent conversation then fine you know you adjust those but they happen very rarely. Right. So it was absolutely, you know, I, I, you have absolutely stick with it. And the hardest bit is that first period of time when people are testing you constantly about how, how precious 
um, uh, and how rigorously will you observe those those slots of time in the diary? And uh, you ha if you give up, if you show any weakness during that period of time, um, you're screwed. So that was the first thing, um, uh, having that that um, time blocked off. Then um, what I would also do is in I, I was lucky enough to have an office. Um, I had a whiteboard, so I used to do the the grid thing. The, I don't know if people you know the the grid yeah. what we've done where you you can and I would do I would get. Um, I tried to do push-ups, but I can tell you now, doing push-ups in an office environment <laughs> on your hands with a white shirt is a bad, bad thing because you end up with uh, you end up looking bad. So I, I bought a couple of dumbbells, um, you know, the ones, the flat-sided ones, and I would do push-ups on the dumbbells, and I had the dumbbells to do stuff with, and I bought a kettlebell. And so I would do in a telephone conference for an hour. You can do a lot of push-ups uh, without anyone knowing. If I had 60 minute meetings that were 60 minutes long and I had another meeting right off the back of that and another meeting off the back of that, I used to shorten them to 55 minutes. And then in that five minute gap, I would uh, pick up my 24 kilo kettlebell and I'd, it's 200 paces walk around the office and I'd, I'd do 100 paces carrying the one hand, swap hands, come back. So even on the days where I didn't have the time blocked out. I made sure that I at least moved around and did something. Wow, very good. I mean, and thorough too. So that was a great answer to that question. I think there's a lot of stuff people can take away from there. Um, well, yeah, and, and I want to add something, Joe. The funny thing is, is George, you you brought up that some of your coworkers didn't like this, but it's actually interesting, Joe, because George hired me to speak at a national grid conference that was to the top 100 executives in the company, I believe. Yeah. And National Grid's big push has been on sleep, uh, employee stress working out, being healthy, being happy. And there's a huge push in the company. And this isn't unique to National Grid, by the way, Joe. We get a lot of work from this type of stuff. Right. A lot of companies are introducing health and wellness into their program. Well, I but think yet they, they, still... see, they see that benefit that we were talking about earlier, right? If all their yes. executives are vibrant and full of energy and confident, the company is going to do so much better than if they're, like, like George said, they're kind of phoning it in. This is their last gig. But even in a company that apparently values fitness, and you're supposed to be fit and they're willing to invest. I mean, George, I was paid a lot of money to do that. And you paid a lot of other people a lot of money to do that. Uh, people still have a real problem with other people getting fit. Yeah. You know, you would think you'd be celebrated. You'd think you'd be the role model for the company, but you, you took a lot of shit from people. Let's not be under any illusion. I mean, it, it is not easy to do this and there will always be the haters out there mm -hmm. in the office. And I, I got some, uh, I heard that one of my colleagues, you know, one of my peers on this uh, leadership team that, you know, I think they made a comment that, oh, I, if I pop around to George's office, he's never there because he's always in the gym. And that, that's not true, but I am in the gym quite a lot. But, and that's one of those things where when, when someone comes back with something like that, it's kind of, you've got to just shrug your shoulders and go, well, uh, whatever, you know, I, I, I've got, you know, I got the way I, I want to live. And I'm not going to compromise with it at all. And you have to accept there will be some people uh, who won't get it or don't want to get it. Mm -hmm. And um, you, you just have to be absolutely focused about what's important to you and sticking with it and, and having the rules and you don't break the rules. Or those comments are based out of jealousy because, Joe, one of the things that George and I have talked about is that person who complained about you being in the gym all the time. Totally OK for that person to stay home sick from work. Totally yeah. okay for that person to go for drinks in the middle of the afternoon. Uh, perfectly okay for that, that person to, you know, take a 30-minute bathroom break to play on their Instagram or their yeah. Facebook or to, you know, just flat out leave the office to do some personal well, shopping. I'll, I'll give you an example. There was, uh, there was a, I, I was off, uh, so I was off to the gym. It was 10 o'clock in the morning. I had my gym bag and I'm walking out the office towards the, uh, we call them lifts here. You call them elevators, I think. Don't you? Yes. Towards the elevators. And um, one of my colleagues came and, oh, you're off to the gym again. And it was kind of like, well, yeah. And he went, oh, you know, I just don't have the time. And it was kind of like, uh, you know, it was like, well, so, so yeah, I mean, there's a whole, whole load of stuff associated with that um, right. because uh, it was implying that I, I just was sitting around doing doing nothing. Anyway, I go to the gym, I come back, doing my work, and then um, and then I'm leaving I'm leaving the office and it's about 7 o'clock in the evening and, and I've got an hour and a half commute um, from the office to, to where I live. And I'm leaving the office at 7 o'clock going past uh, there's a pub right by the office and I look across and uh, guess who I see you know and it, it, it's it's just it's fine if you want to if you want to go and have a drink mm -hmm. he's been in the pub for the last two hours drinking that's fine I mean if that's what you want to do but he could be training right. yeah and doing um, something that your experience has positively affected your work yeah like there's no denying that from from your view or I mean even from mine watching how much you've grown in the last 10 years there's a definite uh, you called a coincidence earlier but it's more of a correlation yeah. I mean really that people who are fit who are vibrant who put you know uh, resources into the their body, they are better at their job. It's why companies like National Grid start 
started spending a lot of money to push that message. And, and they're not unique, Joe. You know very well the money that, that you know, companies like Blender Bottle spend. Yeah, yeah. To it's big uh, money. make sure they're, they're in place that, you know, one of the things George you know, said to me yesterday was, you know, how lucky I am to have a gym that Blender Bottle has at my fingertips. Yeah. And, and for those you guys that don't know or don't follow me on Instagram, Blender Bottle built one of the nicest gyms. Joe, you've trained people there yeah. with me. It's it's gorgeous. They didn't invest that money just because they felt like building a nice gym. Well, I tell you, there's a there's a. I, I was lucky enough to um, visit Reebok's head office in um, mm-hmm. Boston. And now, obviously, Reebok is a company that you would expect them to, you know. Th- th- exercising and doing all that stuff would be second nature, but they're still a corporation and, and the people who work there are people with all the sort of time issues and excuses that any, anyone else in another company has. And anyway, I went to have a look at their gym and if anyone has a chance to go and visit Reebok head office's gym, it will blow your mind. It's the most extraordinary uh, facility I've ever seen. Amazing. Anyway, I, went, I was talking to the guy who runs it and, um, and what they do, you can, you join the gym and there's a monthly fee. If you turn up, uh, to, and I can't remember what the monthly fee was. It's like 40 bucks or whatever. Every session you turn up to, uh, your monthly fee is reduced by $7.50. Hmm. Wow. So you end up, I can't do the math, but you end up doing five, five or six sessions a month and, the, and, and, and it's free. And I love that because that was a really good example of a corporation saying, you know, we're going to we're going to charge you. But actually, we've we're, we're, we got a pricing structure that encourages you to train because then it becomes yeah. uh, a lot cheaper. Well, in the opposite of the global gym model, that's pay your monthly fee and then don't ever show up because yeah. Yeah. we don't want to see. You, right? yeah. you know, I think there's one other thing just before there's one other uh, thing that I have found really beneficial about training uh, in the work in the corporate sort of environment. And well, actually, I, I assume this translates to any environment but one of the things that because my job involved dealing a lot with people um so politician x is saying something about your company uh or there's a journalist who's about to kind of come out with something really unhelpful and you have got to come up with a line to respond and hopefully uh stop them saying something with your power of your your argument quite often these things you you know you're presented with a challenge and and you don't have the immediate answer you need to go away and think about it and I could leave to go to the gym with a problem in my head, which right there and then, so it's 10 o'clock, I'm packing my bag, I'm off to the gym, I've got this problem, and I have no idea how I'm going to solve it. I have no idea what the answer to that particular problem is. I go to the gym, and I work out. And as you all know, the sort of training that we all do, you don't have time when you're in the middle of a IWT or something like that to be thinking about stuff. You are thinking about the training you're doing there and then. But as if by magic... As I'm in the changing room or walking back to the office, the solution presents itself. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a friend of mine is a uh, an executive coach. He, he he said to me that you know you have even though you haven't been actively thinking about it, you have been processing all the information in your head while you've been working out. Yeah. And then boom, out comes a solution. The number of times that I've gone to the gym with a problem and I've come out with a really good solution, uh, um, you know, it, it's huge. And that's something again where it's, it's hard to quantify it, but it's it's real and it, and it happens, and it's a it's a direct benefit of of, of training. Yeah, very very true. Um, next question for you: sleep. And we talked about this just mm-hmm. kind of in passing, um, but you know, sleep and recovery are a big a big part of uh, a healthy lifestyle, a healthy training regimen, uh, and with a very demanding job. And like you said at the beginning of the podcast, I mean, it, it might be three in the morning and you get a phone call. Uh, what what challenges have you faced with that? Um, just specific. Specifically with sleep, and and how have you addressed those? So sleep, sleep is the that's been the hardest thing of all. Um, I've re- I really struggle with it. So um, and, and my job quite often required a once a month or twice a month a trip uh, to the East Coast, um, the US, and and that you know that just doing that. I mean, it, there's, trust me, there's a lot. You know, as I'm sure many of your listeners know, there's a lot more challenging kind of uh, trips to do on on sleep patterns, but it was still reasonably tough and and each of those would basically mean that week sleep was was really disrupted so you know once or twice a month i'd have you know one or two weeks a month would be sleep would be bad and then you throw in all the stress right. um that again a lot of your listeners will be very familiar with and how you wake up in the middle of the night with your mind wearing and so sleep was a real has always been an issue and um and i i, I never really cracked it i i you know i i would um i would try and go to bed at a reasonable time uh, um, you know, I, I would I would be in bed by 10 o'clock. It was hard to be in bed before that because I quite often didn't get back home until eight o'clock. I needed to eat. I needed to spend some time with my wife. Um, and then I'm up again at, you know, um, half five, six o'clock. 
it, what was really interesting when I one of the reasons why I wanted to take some time out was I I, I was um, I, I wanted to really work on my rest and recovery uh, as well as my training, but particularly my rest and recovery. Having left the company, I'm now sleeping at least eight hours a night. Uh, I dropped two and a half, three kilos pretty much. I would say within a month, just boom. And hmm. that wasn't because of increased training load. That, I think, was down to – or a change in nutrition. That was down to sleep and, and, and stress being reduced. So that's really – so that, that was – sleep was the hardest challenge. And as I look forward, I know that in the next couple of months, I'm going to be in another job. And it's going to be another high-level job, and it's going to be stressful. And, and so the big challenge for me will be not, not to lose the gains that I've got um, through this period of rest hmm. and to try and work out ways – you know, I've worked out ways to ensure I get the training in. I've worked out ways to ensure I, I manage my nutrition. The hard bit is to work out ways how I can, I can you know, get the quality of sleep and the amount of sleep I need. Uh, it is the hardest thing out of all of this to, to get that, right. That said, though, uh, uh, I've been looking at George's logs for 10, 11 years, 12 years. We decided, uh, for those of you that kind of did just a little bit more of the background, uh, Joe, George has been sending me his logs every single week mm. for 11 years. <laughs> And when we started, there was four-hour nights, five-hour nights, six-hour nights. I mean, when George is saying sleep got bad and it was a hard code to crack, you'd still get seven hours a night, eight hours a night. There'd be the odd four or five, which you'd get uh, lit up for. Yeah. Um, some very nasty comments were sent back your way via email. But, uh, yeah, your, your sleep dramatically improved. So even though you're saying it's a challenge, you're, you were still getting more sleep than a lot of people who claim to sleep a lot. You know, you weren't getting eight to nine, but if you're getting – Seven, that's far better than four or five that you were getting. Yeah, so, so I think that's a fair point. And I think when when we had, you know, back at the, the Pillsbury Doughboy period, the, the, you know, that we talked a lot about nutrition. We talked a lot about sleep and recovery as well as the training. And, and, and I, think the, I think the awareness of the need for sleep, it, it meant that, you, you know, I was able to make the right decision. So, you know, we've, we've all been there and especially um, the listeners who are sort of work for organizations where you end up traveling to another place and staying in a hotel with a bunch of colleagues and, you know, you all have dinner and then everyone sort of migrates to the bar afterwards. Yeah. You know, I always knew that I never went to the bar afterwards. Um, it was just, it was, I, you know, one of my rules is I don't drink during the week. I don't mind a little bit of alcohol, but I, I don't drink during the week. I wouldn't go to the bar because that could be another hour where I, you know, that's, that's an hour's loss of sleep. So I, it was it was imposing some rules and restrictions on myself mm-hmm. uh, to make sure that, um, you know, I could make the best of it. But um, I have to say that being able to get eight hours over the last um, few months has been uh, it's been a complete and utter joy. I mean, it, it feels like it feels like a huge luxury. And I, and, I, and I, you know, I will do my damnedest to keep that up even right. when I've got another role to do. It sounds to me like you didn't just look at the sleep situation and say, well, there's no way I'm going to crack this and just give up on it. Like you put a lot of effort into getting what you could out of it. I mean, a lot of thought, and a lot of effort went into trying to improve your sleep as opposed to just saying, well, I'm just not going to deal with that at all. And I think people people will do that. You know, oh, I've got kids, so I'm just not going to do anything about my sleep. You know, I'm I'm overweight, so I'm not going to do anything about my diet. And I think those little efforts over time, even even if the end result isn't ideal, it's still better. Yeah, and and there's there's the other part of that, Joe, is being accountable to somebody, right? Yes. Um, you know, maybe maybe you're out there and you're thinking you want to hire Joe or I uh, to be your life coach. And yes, we are open for business. Get a hold of us, yeah. um, and we are happy to help you. Uh, JoeSabula.com or BobbyMaximus.com. Um, it does help to have a coach, but. The question is going to come up from somebody, I don't have the money to hire a coach to look at my logs every week. But just the fact that you keep a log or keep a diary mm-hmm. can help keep you on track because you may not realize how bad your habits are, George. I feel, you know, you filling out that log every week forced you to confront a lot of behavior that you would have denied or made excuses on uh, before. There's something about writing it down and, and, and logging it that makes you see the truth. Yeah, and you, it's a way of also keeping your keeping yourself honest with training intensity. You know, you right. know that you know if, if the first round of a rowing workout is going to be 160 meters in 30 seconds, you know, and that's what you did last week. Then next week you got to start at 161, and there's no kind of there's no lying because it's it's there written down. I think I think the other thing, and, and it pains me to do this, is I do not want to uh, advertise. Uh, 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 your book, uh, Bobby, but the, it, it, I think the, I think the, the, the having knowledge to program appropriately. I mean, that's the other thing with, uh, I'm not going to say this is a, another peculiarity of corporate life. It's another, it's, it's, it's a thing with life. 
you know, people people are, have constraints on their time. And so when you do go to the gym, when you have gone and carved out that period of time, made it sacrosanct, what you then do with that period of time, that then is is, is just as important. And and um, I remember when I when we when we first met, I kind of I got into some Olympic lifting. And um, and I remember um, I remember you, you telling me, Bobby, that uh, if I wanted to improve, then I'd have to improve my uh, on cleans. I think I'd have to improve my technique so I could really get under the bar. So I went and um, when I got back from Salt Lake with Bobby, I went to uh, a, another a friend of mine who's a trainer who's really good at Olympic lifting. He showed me what to do. Anyway, with the workout, I'd go into my workout and I would do the sort of the warm up protocol for for this particular workout. I'd have done half an hour. And I hadn't really done anything. I mean, yeah, I was getting better at a movement. But in terms of maximizing that amount of time for my physical fitness and, and, and well-being, I, I was wasting time. And I was never going to be a great powerlifter. I wasn't competing CrossFit, so I didn't need to do it. And Bobby, you said to me, just do jumping. Now that, that's, 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 you know, you, that, that's, that's a really effective way of getting the same kind of benefits. So, so I think using that time, that valuable time, you've carved it out. Using that time, getting your programming right so you're not wasting time, knowing that when you go into the gym that you've got plan A, B and C, depending if the kit's being used or not, and you can maximize it is absolutely essential. And you're not, you know, you're not fanning around in the gym, rolling around on a foam roller for 30 minutes and you've got you've got 40 minutes to train it. You know, it's fine to do if you've got time to do 30 minutes on a foam roller. I assume that's fine. But, you know, some people don't. So you've got to be really efficient. Yeah, now I want to talk too um, about another incredible experience you had, George, uh, about the first time you put on the Maximus shoes and how much that improved your life and your fitness. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think I think you were telling me that instantly you got a promotion and a raise at work yeah. uh, the first day you wore those shoes to work. We're doing an advertisement oh, now, right. so you need, to, <laughs> yeah. you need to spin this, George, about how yeah. great the Maximus shoes are and why our listeners, if they buy them, they'll be more fit, more handsome. Yeah. Uh, they'll, they'll be more attractive. They'll get better opportunities at work. They'll make more money. Um, this is something that uh, you wore those shoes to work and you were just well, the, and, and George, the I would toast say spin as well brain. because, I mean, a potential employer could be listening. So let's hear what you got. Oh, yes. yes. So, 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 hey, thank you, Joe. Good point. <laughs> and I wore those shoes and I, I, I got a promotion. The company's turnover increased by, uh, was it 28%? 28%. As did my personal output. Um, yeah. They are good shoes. They so are, if you – they are. If you want these shoes and you want to change your life just by wearing them to work, you go to lalo.com, use the code Maximus20, uh, save yourself a little bit of money. And, and there's something about the code that activates to the internet that actually makes uh, the shoes more effective at what they do as well. Yes. Um, so if you use the code, you get special shoes. Uh, they're not generally released to the public, <laughs> only the friends of Maximus. Um, and uh, away you go. And then and then the, the other thing, George, is uh, – Protein. We've talked about travel and the challenges of eating. Uh, Nidorperformance.com. Use the protein. It'll replace all of your nutritional needs. Just take that and you will uh, become remarkably more fit overnight. That's great. I don't know if they're over here in the UK. I need to check that out. Yeah, you need to get some. Yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll wake up, you know, uh, tomorrow I have some on the counter here. We can try it. And uh, okay. tomorrow you'll wake up looking and feeling the best you've ever felt in your life. I can almost guarantee that. Ooh, yeah. Let's get, so let's get some, uh, some before and after pictures on this. Yeah. And, and Joe, because you're a wizard with Photoshop, we can yeah. uh, work that out. But um, seriously, Nitro Performance is a great protein. NitroPerformance.com. Use the code Maximus Podcast and uh, help yourself out. Um, I, I really like where our sponsorships are going, George or uh, uh, Joe. Yeah. I'm getting you guys confused now, but I feel like uh, I feel like people are really going to buy some stuff here. This well, is, uh, I hope so. We're, we're good at we're good at this organic. Uh, George, this is, what's the word for this? this? Is like organic marketing. Yes, that we're doing here. It's just yeah. it's just here. It is. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with it. I'm right. in, I'm in, I'm you don't know no paid commercial breaks on the Maximus <laughs> podcast. You yeah. just yeah. evidently yeah. inserted into the <laughs> conversation. Um, so, George, you, uh, you you've had this huge benefit from training and stuff like that, but people around you have uh, as well. Um, tell us about uh, Vivian because Joe and I actually know this woman named Karen. We mention her every podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, she works in accounting. It's always and she brings donuts birthday. to the office. Yeah. And has a negative attitude. Puts other people down. Uh, wants people sucked into her web of unfitliness. Tell us about Vivian. Well, so so, so Vivian is a, a, a colleague, former colleague of mine. And I work with her very closely for a number of years. She's 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 a rich, she's a she's a great person and and I think you know she was sat here now she was by her own admission she would say that exercise was was not something that was uh, high or anywhere on on her agenda. So um, Bobby comes to as he said to to my company and he talks to the kind of the top uh, top one hundred managers 
uh, leaders and about um, about health and fitness, about rest and recovery, about nutrition. And this, I think, one of the things that's important to stress in this is, you know, we've been we're, we're talking about sort of quite when we're talking about some of the workouts like 2K rows and the rest of it. These are, you know, they're up they're up there in terms of their sort of level of intensity and and it's not you know not everyone could go straight into that kind of uh, environment and vivian certainly she was she hadn't she, she'd never been a member of a gym she wasn't training so one of the things bobby talked about was just uh just just walking 5k a day you know just doing that and um is is a really good start and and, and really beneficial anyway so, so so bobby does that he talks about the 5k uh walk and um about it was probably about three months later three or four months later uh when you go on holiday you put an email out to colleagues to say i'm away on holiday if you need to get hold of me talk to this other colleague and uh and vivian got the email and she she popped into my office and she said oh where are you off to and i said oh, I'm, I'm off to sort of lake to see bobby and she said i will send him my best and can you tell him that um that afternoon after after he talked about the 5k i did my first ever 5k walk and i've done a 5k walk every single day since then and tomorrow i'm going to run it for the first time Ooh. And she, but she looked fantastic as well. I mean, she was there was a real transformation in, um, and not just how she looked, but also her bearing and her her kind of uh, her energy, her buzz, mm-hmm. and uh, and that for me was that was an awesome moment. I mean, that was just uh, it changed her life. And again, it wasn't it wasn't you know a complicated thing. It was just someone who has does not have any training history you know walk for 5k and 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 she would you know uh she would get off the subway a few stops earlier so she could get a bit of uh a, a bit of distance in you know and, and yeah. she would she would she had meetings she would she would see if she could walk to those meetings you know rather than take a, a subway or a cab and it was just again she just she had the challenge she applied her intellect to how to to deal with it and got on with it and uh and she's i think she since then she's done a, a 5k race and stuff like that so it's it's, it's it's brilliant. So a uh, couple, couple things from that, uh, Joe, that I want to talk about kind of before we wrap up. Right. Um, number one, something else came out of that meeting, George. Uh, and it's it's something that I, I, I just want to put out there because a lot of people have, have been stuck in this situation. Uh, one of the things that uh, I may or may not have done at that meeting is I absconded the CEO in front of his entire group of executives <laughs> um, for subjecting me to numerous conference calls. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I had to do about 15 conference calls. Uh, that I did not need to be on uh, in order to go there and speak. So I, I let my displeasure be known with the CEO in front of all his uh, uh, people, um, which I don't know, George, in retrospect, I think people thought that was kind of funny. I think they thought it was funny there in that point. But but there's a, there's a couple of things that you you brought up today that I want people to remember. Uh, you know, one of the key takeaways for this episode is you might not think you have time, but you probably do. And if you are one of these people on these conference calls, because a lot of the businesses, Joe, that we consult with, they uh, bring this up often. Like I'm stuck on the phone for three hours a day. Mm-hmm. Well, on a lot of these conference calls, you know, the one thing that's in common is you might not have to say anything. You're just listening. Why not turn that into your workout time? Walk while you're on the conference call. Get some dumbbells. Go to the gym and listen to the conference call through your headphones. If you have to talk, you can step outside for a minute or whatever you got to do and talk. But you can make use of this time. Uh, the other thing, George, you were talking about was the pressure to go to bars, the pressure to go to restaurants and meet with your colleagues. And you had a really good story yesterday that I want to bring up about when your CEO told you to be in the bar in 30 minutes. Yes. So we had a, we had a, it was, this happened quite often. We'd have a, um, at the exec committee that we would meet once a month formally and it would be one or two days and it would be all day things. So, so I would, I, I'm a motorcyclist. So I'd jump on my motorbike at six in the morning and ride 120 miles to where this particular meeting was happening. Get on off get changed and you're in the meeting and and you know i, I didn't want to get up, up at five o'clock and train because i wanted to sleep because i you know so so i i got up uh, we did the meeting and the meetings are back to back and then the lunches are um are working lunches and um and then we finished it around about six o'clock i, I got got back on the bike and um and we we were all, we were staying in a hotel and we had to meet in the bar at, i think it was um it was like it was like quarter to seven uh for a drink before the um for, for the meal and then the meeting was carrying on this wasn't a social thing we carried the meeting we had an agenda for the dinner mm. so i had when i when i got in the room i had 30 minutes before i needed to be back downstairs at the bar and um so i you know i just i, I stripped off I, I i uh i did a couple of push-ups to warm up and then i set the timer for um 20 minutes and i just did as many push-ups as i could in 20 minutes i mean i buried myself we've all done this and and uh i absolutely buried myself in that 20 minutes 
then it was uh, it was it was you know five minutes to, to to shower and change, and then I'm 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 there. I'm back downstairs on time, and um, and one of my colleagues said, "Gee, George, you're, you're you're what's wrong? Your cheeks are burning." And I said, "Well, I just I just done a I just done a workout. How did you do a workout? There was no time to do a workout. There was time to do a workout. Yeah, Twenty minutes. You get a lot of minutes. You can do a lot. And yeah, am I gonna? Is my fitness better because of the twenty minutes um, instead of doing a sixteen minute? Well, probably not. But having got it in, it counts. It all counts. And again, I felt I could relax more um, during the rest of the evening, knowing I got some training in, and I felt good because of it and I could focus on whatever the agenda was. You, you weren't alone either because you had a kindred spirit uh, who, who I met, Dean, yeah. really good guy, who uh, who also got it in yeah. too. Yes, because he said to me, he said, I did the same. I, I did the same. And he, he uh, and that was great. And it was really good having a, because then the conversations around the bar was about how Dean and I managed to fit in this quick workout. Yeah. Huh. And what was good was that the general tone was people were going, oh, oh, I should have done that. Yeah. And then of course someone says, yeah, but bring any kit. If you're in a hotel room on your own, you need no kit. Yeah. So it was kind of uh, so. Then, then that excuse was uh, was put to one side. So you know, it, it showed other my colleagues who, who for whom I am, am very fond and, and they're great people that 20 minutes is enough. You can do it. And I know a few of them have subsequently tried to try to do that, which is good. There's a lot of good takeaways just from from that story, but I mean from this whole thing. And and one of the things you said earlier, George, that I. I think is incredible is you use the phrase, apply your intellect. You know, you said, uh, Vivian had a problem. She applied her intellect and she solved the problem. And, and I think that's important for people to realize like you're smart people. Uh, let's be honest, Bobby, people who listen to this podcast are not weak minded people, right? We're trying to attract intelligent individuals. So guys, when you face these problems, apply your intellect, you know, understand the power of saying no, right. By blocking time out, when it's time to train, it's time to train. You know, there's great value in having a good support system around you, like maybe hiring a coach. Uh, George, you know, you're, you're lucky to have a wife who's very into fitness. That, that makes it a lot easier. You know, it's, it's hard if you're surrounded by a bunch of people who really aren't into it or don't understand it. And so just the fact that you've been able to sort of get your life into this position, it, it does make more sense that you're as fit as you are. Well, and kind of the thing I want to I close on, Joe, is that, you know, George – You've made some sacrifices. It hasn't been easy. But, you know, the kind of the final question I want to ask you here is not from a personal level, because we know what your answer is going to be uh, in, in that regard. But from a corporate affairs director and upper management role, would you recommend fitness to people in the work industry? Like people who work for a living, if you owned your own company, you got brought into a new company as corporate affairs director, would you make fitness a big part of your platform? Yes. I, in, 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 the short answer is yes. I think um, – and that's one of the things, I mean, that's back to the last story that I've, I, I've, I've tried to do um, without getting too evangelical about it. I've tried to encourage colleagues to to get into it as well, because, and, and it, you know, when they do, they see the benefits straight away. And um, I, one of the little things I did, um, I think it was about two years ago, was, you know, when the Fitbits come out, there's a whole debate about how useful they are and accurate. But we trialed them at work and I managed to get the trial for my team. And, and it was great. We all had a competition about who did the most steps. And it meant that for me, it was actually quite a good recovery practice. But for, for, for most of colleagues who hadn't been doing anything, it was a bit like the Vivian story. It was, it, was, it was a serious shift. And then they started liking moving around and they're saying, well, what's next? And then the next thing maybe is joining a gym or going for a run or something like that. So I think that wherever I go next and, and beyond that, I, I will bring the, the fitness thing with me. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's what I will say to people was that uh, I will disappear at certain times of the day and um, you just have to accept it. If you don't accept it, then we need to know now because I'm not going to come and work here because that's not the kind of work environment I want to be part of. So it's, uh, it's you know, anyone out there who's got any kind of job, you know, doing training hard, training sensibly, training intelligently, uh, it's going to make you better. I like it. Now, Joe, we got we to gotta close in on one, one important note, uh, okay. you know, for you guys listening out there, you know Joe and I can't take ourselves too seriously for too long. I'm going to tell you a little story about George. Uh, Joe, he's uh, one of Landon's victims. Uh, my oh. son Beans, you've been on the other end of this. Beans has a magical way with words. Yeah. Uh, he puts people down on a regular basis without meaning it. <laughs> uh, you know, two stories I want to tell. Uh, one, George, I don't know if you've heard this. Joe and I were driving him in the car. We always try to put in like funny note. He asked me a math question. I didn't know the answer. And 
not trying to shit talk, just his <laughs> first reaction. He goes, ugh, you must have went to a public school. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever seen Joe laugh so hard in my life. But Joe, where we're going with this is it, George has been a victim of this too. Hopefully everyone listening has enjoyed uh, what what some would call George's uh, sexy and alluring English accent. One of the first times George and I hung out outside of actual training was with Beans. And Beans asked George if he was the voice from the Geico Gecko commercial. <laughs> so just enjoyed spending the last hour with the, with the Geico Gecko. Um, you know, that's yeah. – and, and again, George had no clue what he was talking about and had to go Google who the Geico Gecko was and then was seriously insulted that, that landed <laughs> Beans thought that George – sounded like that i mean so maybe, been, maybe, maybe, maybe we're going a different gecko career said, trajectory at this point like you could do some yes. video work <laughs> the gecko i'll take the gecko <laughs> but he's been he's been abused by the maximus family fully so we appreciate you spending time with us today and subjecting yourself to further uh injury george but it's been great Pleasure.